All right, live, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Kayfabe Corner. I'm your host, JPO, Jordan Pierce Owens. As I sit down with someone else involved in the world of professional wrestling, today I'm very excited to have one of my main mans, Zach Romero. You know him from Fully Gimmicked, uh, commentary, ring announcing, running punk pro. Zach, how are you? Doing fine, doing fine, JP. Thank you so much. Uh, also, I think it should be uh, on record you, you and I share a very special bond. We are the only time in my commentary career that I've gotten to do commentary for a full show while dressed as old wrestlers. You, were, you made an amazing mm-hmm. big boss man, and I was a mediocre Ted DiBiase. So we, we made history together, <laughs> calling, the, calling the action at ringside uh, in cosplay. I, well, I got to, first of all, I got to credit you with everything back because I basically just wore a blue shirt and I think you helped me with the glasses and the pins <laughs> and the little patches. So <laughs> well, I, I, I was the MacGyver of costuming that night, but, uh, but no, thank I'm I'm thrilled to be on the show. I really am. Good times at a company that we, we can't talk about it anymore. So <laughs> I was going to say one of many topics I'm sure we'll go. Mm, can't talk about that tonight. That's 2020 baby. That's 2020, dude, looking upon the past, so we're very vague about the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, since, since we're in 2020, uh, got to open up with just how are you doing? Like, literally, like, how are you? Are you coping? Are you good? Surviving. Surviving is the best way I can put it. Uh, we've been putting on some weird projects as best we can. Uh, we've hit some highs and some lows. And uh, the cabin, holding off cabin fever for as long as possible. So... Uh, so, so surviving is the best I can, I can put it. Did you enjoy the Cabin Fever remake? Ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, <Just kidding>, <laughs> I, feel un, I feel it was unnecessary, really. I mean, don't get yeah, me wrong. More or less. So, so here's the thing. My problem is my favorite Eli Roth project ever was his trailer for Thanksgiving in the Grindhouse movie. So that's not a great starting point already. Yeah. My favorite of his, fe- of his features is like two minutes long and very obnoxious. Um, <laughs> that being said, Cabin Fever, I-, I could take it or leave it. I remember the, him pouring the, the um, uh, Listerine on his junk. That sticks in my head. Mm. And the kid uh, doing karate out in front of the general store. That's really all I remember from that movie. Um, so yeah, remake very unnecessary. Uh, I was actually th- trying to think about this, and we, we may have to have you on a, a, one of our podcasts to discuss this. Of when um, when is a remake actually worth it? Because mm. in many many cases, the answer is never. Um, but I think there's a few out there. I need to do a little more studying. But I think there's a few I'm a out big there champion that might be. of um, the new Invisible Man. That's true. That's true. They had a different twist on it, you know. And and uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, that being a sure. reimagining and remake, sure. I think that's an excellent one. Oh my god! Um, and what a great movie! I like uh, I liked the remake of Fright Night with uh, with David Tennant and uh, yeah. Colin Farrell. I liked that one. A lot of fun. Um, and there's a few more that are out there that I think. Uh, oh, for sure. Uh, when you start thinking about it, I mean, a great point, and a lot of them are unnecessary, but there's definitely several out there. Yeah, that I think are at least ju- somewhat justified. None of them are completely like. Thank God they did this instead. But I think there's some that are like, yeah, it's passable. You got to have at least a slightly different take and, you know, some something where you're going to go not just simply like, okay, it was well made. But like, for instance, you mentioned the thing. What about the other thing, the third thing? 
Like that's so, a good example. Completely of it's a, unnecessary. It's not a horrible film by a large degree, but at the same time, it's like it's okay. You just did the thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what the best part of the third one, which was the prequel to the second right. one, right before the, the best part of that movie is the last forty seconds of the movie when it becomes John Carpenter's The Thing. Like, there's one survivor left. There's the dog that's possessed by the alien. And then we start getting the synth music in. And I, I, was, well, I saw it in the theater. And as soon as the synth music kicked in, I sat straight up and I was like, oh my God. And then the dog runs out of the kennel and the guy's chasing after it. And you're like, oh, it's the good one. We got to the good one finally. <laughs> and then we cut to credits. So Maybe that's not a good sign. You're hoping it would turn into a double feature. You could just start Oh, watching. if it would have, I would have been like, oh, totally worth it. You know, my favorite part of that that prequel was that it was five and a half hours long. That was my favorite part of the prequel. And it really picked up in the second half. All right, I, I suppose, and we probably will dove off uh, maybe more than once here. Let's talk about wrestling, I guess. Oh, yeah, I guess uh, so. On a wrestling <laughs> podcast, probably should. Uh, if, if we have to. Um, <laughs> where, where, does, where do you begin in wrestling in general? Not, not as, a, as a part of partaker, but just as a fan. Are you a fan growing up? Where does wrestling first come in the world of Zach Romero? That's a great question. Uh, so I was born – I'm going to immediately date myself. I'm going to turn to a skeleton right here. I was born in 88. So my parents were, and I was born in Virginia. So my parents were taking me to wrestling. I mean, you're, you're looking at like mega powers, SummerSlam kind of era. So my parents were taking me at a young age. There's photos of me with, you know, all kinds of old wrestlers and, and stuff like that. So wrestling was always kind of big in my family. And, you know, I'm, I'm growing up. We're getting into the doldrums of the WWF. We're getting into the early 90s. Uh, I should say mid-90s. Early 90s were still okay. Mid-90s, not so much. Um, and then I'm like probably 12 or 13, and the Attitude Era starts picking up. And I jumped back in with both feet. Um, so, yeah, I've been a wrestling fan for a long, long time. But, you know, you kind of hit ebbs and flows and waves and stuff like that. And so I had somewhat kind of kept up with wrestling uh, when I got a little older. And then when I um, – met my 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 wife uh, my she was a girlfriend at the time um we were driving up in this in this small town and uh there were these posters for something called fcw and it had a very dumpy bo dallas on the poster <laughs> um and so we they were plastered all over this town and so we uh we would drive past and we'd laugh. We're like, oh, my God, look at this. And finally, because they were up for like two months before the show, finally we go, you know what? What the hell? Let's go see. Let's go see what fun we have. And we went and saw it at uh, the Brooksville Armory, and we were completely just enamored. We were like, this is amazing, getting to see it so intimately, you know. Um, and, and, and we got lucky. It was like there was Bo Dallas, and you had Damian Sandow, like, starting the – the 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 robe and and that mm -hmm. kind of shtick you had um cesaro was starting to show up you had dean ambrose uh leaki who was who became roman reigns and <laughs> uh all we just had it, it was a good time to fall into it because there was a lot of like up-and-coming talent going through there so then that led to wow this is really great and we'd come every time they'd show up and then uh that led into seeing shine women's wrestling in ebor and then uh and then I met Chad Allen, who became my uh, podcast co-host at the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. We did the IndieCast. That was like seven years ago. Uh, and so then we started hitting the ground running. We were going to every indie show in Ebor. 
Uh, and then we start chatting with people because I'm very obnoxious and my wife is very cute. So a lot of people are, are willing to talk to us. And so we befriend some of the uh, staff. Uh, Frankie Gasno uh, was one of our first uh, friends as a referee. Uh, David Puente is cameraman. We were just chatting with them in between matches and became pals. And then I met Trevin Adams and boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, we're making merchandise and then I'm told that I'm very obnoxious and do I think I could potentially be obnoxious in front of people? And I said, yes, of course. Uh, so then I started doing ring announcing and common that led to commentary and, and all kinds of behind the scenes uh, uh, nuttiness. And, and now I own a, a wrestling company and, and everything's a mess and it's pretty fantastic. Uh, so it's, yeah, seven, about seven years or so that I've felt fallen into this, uh, beautiful melting pot of a disaster that is florida wrestling <laughs> yeah those fcw shows are fun by the way i was right there too during those that house show era of i saw bo dallas's very first match i found out later on i looked it up i was like oh that's that was his first ever match and uh, meeting so many people daniel bryan before anyone cared who he was, yes. <laughs> was uh, i i had a really really weird moment with uh with uh big e because uh he was just dominating at the time they'd like just gotten him figured out obviously this is way before the new day this is way before he was aj lee's bodyguard like he's just murdering people in fcw and um he was fighting enzo amore and uh just destroys him and there was this moment where he hoisted up enzo and just just i i think it was a it was a fall away sl something. He just destroyed him in the ring and he went to go pick him up again and he stopped and the crowd's like going nuts or whatever. And I swear to you, he looked right at me. Like we made it cause I'm in like the second row. We're like within like spinning distance of each other. It's not like I'm standing all the way in the back. It's like, I'm right here. I'm like 10 feet away. He looks right at me and he's just staring at me for a moment. And the crowd's all like, do it again, do it again. And he looks at me like, what do, what do we do? And I looked at him and I just gave him the nod, like, like the emperor, like, <laughs> and he just hoisted Enzo up and just uh, smashed the soul out of his body. And, uh, it was a super weird moment. Also said a lot of filthy things to, uh, I chanted a lot of filthy things to Ricky Steamboat, uh, junior. Cause that guy was really handsome. I don't know why just the spirit took over and I was like, Hey, how's that dick or whatever. And, Everyone was like, whoa. And he was like, hey, that's not okay. Yeah, uh, geez. Got a little rambunctious in my you? early days as a, uh, as a fan of FCW. And that's probably why they don't come to Brooksville anymore. Um, that's why Richie Steamboat quit. He just couldn't. He, does, he was like, there was a really creepy beardy guy who was saying that I had like really toned legs while I was wrestling. And it was really weird. And I'm done. And he faked a back injury. Yeah. Sorry, Dad. I'm out. I'm out. Uh. <laughs> that's a great. I wish if I can find it, I'll send it to you. There's a photo of me. At like this is like the second FCW we went to, and Ricky Steamboat Senior was there, and so digging pictures or whatever. So there's a photo of me standing in between Ricky Steamboat Senior and Ricky Steamboat Junior, and I'm like, my body language, I'm like shitting on Ricky Steamboat Junior because I hadn't seen him wrestle yet, and I'm like, oh, I'm here for his dad. I don't give a shit about this guy. And then lo and behold, he's wrestling, and I was like, oh my god, I love you, and it was just very, very strange. I. I that, that was one of the first times I ever felt love for another man like that, and then he faked a back injury and decided to quit wrestling. So, you see, you scared him off. I did, I did. 
people have been wondering for years, and now we know the full story. So what happened to Richie Steamboat? I'll say you got the exclusive. I've uh, I haven't told that story before. So there, there you go. You've got the exclusive. I ruined uh, Ricky Steamboat Jr.'s career. I always enjoyed too. Uh, SCW always had like people who weren't working uh, on staff. So I always enjoyed Bray Wyatt showed me to my seats one day. Uh, Big E was security one night. Uh, I there, Baron Cold, Corbin and Skinner sold me a hot dog. I have a photo of me standing next to Chris Hero when he had just gotten signed and he's working security. Like he's yeah. got the orange polo on and I'm like, ah, because I know who he is, but nobody else here knows who yeah. he is. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I was like, that must have been just a weird mind thing of like Chris Hero. I remember Alex Kozlov was security one yeah. time. Like, this dude was in the Tokyo Dome last year. And yeah. now he's literally going like, boop, okay, row three's over here. Like, <laughs> yeah, a little humbling, a little humbling. Yeah, it's got to be a little bit of a mind twerp. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little strange. Um, oh, we also, I got to see Bray Wyatt before he, his last FCW match before he made his, his big debut on TV. Because we were the test. Because Bray Wyatt uh, is originally from Brooksville. And so when he started developing the character, they took him off the FCW shows because he was trying to be a heel and trying to be creepy. And that's very difficult in your hometown. Uh, you know, the whole uh, the, the leading up to the Montreal screw job, but you know, Bret Hart is booed everywhere else, but cheered in Canada. Like mm. it's very difficult to be a villain in your hometown. <laughs> yeah. And it already. Instantly. <laughs> And it always irritates me when they try anyway, especially WWE, when they're like, yeah, William Regal, I know we're in England and everybody loves you, but, you know, cheat a bunch and lose like an asshole uh, because we want to see if we can get people to boo you. And it's like, don't waste your time. They're going to love you. That's it. So I'm seeing all these clips online of these Bray Wyatt promos, and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, these are amazing. And we'd go to FCW, and he wouldn't be there. We'd be like, what the, what the hell happened? Because they were keeping him away because it's very difficult to get that character over in your hometown. Especially when you were getting cheered all the way up to it. So, we're at this FCW show and he's in the main. And he comes out and he cuts this promo about like, this town's in my blood and blah, 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 blah. And everyone's like, oh, yay. And then he flipped it around and like, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're all scummy people. Yeah. And that place booed the shit out of him. and. That was like, I guess, the icing on the cake. Was it like, all right, he's ready for prime time. He got his hometown to boom. And so after that, the next week, he was on Raw. And so uh, so we got to be like part of his like farewell send-off. I always fun seeing people try stuff out. And sometimes it works, sometimes it does not. <laughs> I used to rant and rave about the genius of Damian Sandow in FCW. Like, he was so over the top. So over the top. And it was so good. And they did like next to none of it on tv like once he got up to like smackdown and all that they just completely threw 99 percent out of it like out of the window it was i know i remember like like telling my brother who doesn't live in florida like no watch this guy he's so entertaining and then being like no really i swear he's entertaining just uh <laughs> you felt like the michigan j frog cartoon you're like no 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 he's gonna dance at any moment i swear to god i swear to god and it's like no no nothing so disappointing <laughs> I know the same thing with like Scotty Goldman. My brother was like, "This dude's horrible." I'm like, "No, I swear, Cabana's really talented." They just, just give him a minute. Just give him a minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, going going back, doing the rewind yes. here on a VHS tape. Um, yes. I don't know why I'm doing this dance, but uh, <laughs> clear when VHS dance. When you're young, um, yeah. who's someone that draws you? Like, who's who's someone that you were connected to? Who's your main dude? So, um, 
I dressed up as Macho Man Randy Savage for Halloween when I was like eight. Um, so Macho Man definitely spoke to me. Um, when I was older, when I was like in the Attitude Era, I definitely dressed up as Road Dog Jesse James for Halloween, which I think is very shameful these days to admit. Um, uh, Road Dog is awesome, man. I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you as my defense on that. Um, but actually, the thing that I find interesting is seeing uh, wrestlers who you hated as a kid that you look back now and you're like, oh my god, they were genius. Like I didn't like Ted DiBiase at all. I thought yeah, I thought he was just terrible. I was like, oh boo. And I go back and watch him now and I'm like, what a brilliant performer. Like what just an absolute genius at doing his job so well that I as a kid was like, mm, he should be fired and never come back. Like he did a great <laughs> job. Um, but no, I was definitely a macho man kid. Absolutely. Um uh and I go back and rewatch it now. I love everybody talks about the cream of the crop promo there's like all kinds of t-shirts about the cream of the crop promo where he like pulls a little uh yeah. creamer out of like every he's like a magician he pulls it out one's out of mean jeans pocket and one from here and over there but there's actually a whole series of of promos in that exact same era where he was just an amateur magician for a while like there was one where like he i think he's talking about tito santana and he's talking about how uh he's just going to be in the limelight just long enough to get a cup of coffee and macho man drops his like cape that he's got and he's holding a tiny cup of coffee that he got from catering and then like there's one about like he talks about someone being nothing but garbage and he stole like a tiny garbage can from somebody's cubicle like there's a whole series of him being a magician and i really <laughs> love that i think that's really fantastic and the thing about macho man's promos is like yeah they're all funny and haha but he was so intense and there was a true unpredictability to him, both in and out of the ring, that uh, even though he would say something that's crazy or something that you would laugh at later, in the moment, you believed it. Like, a perfect example, when the Mega Powers blow up, I'm, I'm like father time on this episode. So the Mega Powers is Macho Man and Hulk Hogan, they're teaming up for the first time, holy shit. Uh, things go south quickly. Miss Elizabeth gets hurt, who was Macho Man's wife, and Macho Man loses his mind. And so now he's coming to kill Hulk Hogan. And there's a promo when where Macho Man is so veiny and so angry, and he he tells he tells Hulk Hogan that he's sick of his hot dogging and prima donna. And it's so it's what if you write it down, you're like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But he's so angry. And so intense that you're like, yeah, 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 hot dogging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to see a dead body. Great. Like, it's it works because he really gives it his, his all. And um, that's something that I wish I could teach uh, younger talent. Not, not like, hey, go be macho man and do God knows what and maybe cocaine. Like, no. But, like, there should be a level of intensity to what you're saying and a level of there should be a piece of you in it. You know, it, it shouldn't just be, it, it drives me nuts seeing promos from, from younger wrestlers where you can just see the look on their faces. They're like, I got to remember the date. I got to remember the date of the show. And you're like, you'll get there. You can fix that in editing, but make me believe 
that you're really going to do this fight, that you're really wanting to be a part of this, or you really have a, a score to settle, or you want this gold. Make me believe that first. We can throw the we can throw the date in at the end. It's not a big deal. You know, I would I would much rather you forget to bring up like the date of the show, and I would much prefer you be just genuine and like, okay, I have to be there and see this show. Okay. Uh, yeah, actually, that, that's a good question I'd love to ask you about. Uh, I, I agree. I agree with that. I don't think everyone every time needs to say the venue, the date, the uh, location. Uh, it starts to get a little too, like you said, scripted. And especially when it's a passionate promo, as you said, if someone really wants to see the match, I think they're going to find out when the match is. Or you put right, it on or or again, we can edit that. We can just yeah. slap it on the bottom while you're talking. We can be yeah. like, it's going to be on August the 2nd and da, 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 da. Like, we can do that. The, 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 the magic of technology allows me to put that there. Don't worry about hitting that. If that's the thing you're most concerned with, don't worry about it. Um, one thing, so I, uh, in, in the weird, and, and you've seen this personally, the weirdness of, of things that I've worked with in wrestling, um, you know, I've gotten to do a little bit of promo work with some with some wrestlers and uh i enjoy that a great deal i do i i really think that's a lot of fun um the problem is i i don't feel like i'm a very good teacher basically what my method is okay wrestler a is fighting wrestler b and here's the setup basically i cut the promo at wrestler a and then when i'm done i'm like now you do that like i i, I struggle in that department if i could i would just cut everybody's promos for them i would just be like all right here let me do it i'll put a wig on i'll pretend i'm you we'll deep fake you onto me and we'll call it a day um that is one thing that i haven't done in wrestling that i, I there's a there's a part of me that that wishes i could is to do like to be like somebody's manager or something like that. And like, just cut a promo about like, here's why this guy's great or whatever. Um, I had an opportunity to do it a while ago, a couple years ago. And uh, I was advised by those more knowledgeable than I to turn that down and to focus on ring announcing, to focus on commentary and, and focus on being that guy. And I did. And, uh, and, and it paid off. It certainly paid off, but there's still a part of me that I'm like, Oh, I would love, to just stand in front of a crowd and call them all sweat hogs and just be a real dickhead. You know, there's, there's definitely still a part of that. And as you've you seen, scratch that itch one time. It's well, fine. I was just going to say, well, you've seen, there's been a couple of times uh, during ring announcing that I've kind of done that a couple of, uh, a few moments that slips out. If I'm, you know, talking about like, Hey, this next contest is, uh, is for the women's title of blah, blah, blah. And the crowd doesn't, treat that with the proper reverence i've been known to hit the brakes on a show before and go no 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 we're gonna do that again and you're gonna care because this is a big deal uh so there's a little bit of that that kind of comes out every once in a while because i'm not a very professional performer but maybe someday i'll i'll, I'll be a full manager and tell somebody why this guy who has trouble speaking in front of crowds is actually great and you should root for him or boo him or whatever the case may be yeah, you can tell us in you, man. You gotta get that out in you at least a couple of times. It's right. fun. It's fun. I'll just start. I'll just start sending you promos against wrestlers who don't <laughs> exist or are retired. I do love the uh, the deep fake idea though, because it's hard getting promos from people sometimes. I would love to just do it myself. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just be like, all right, here. I'm just gonna cut it. We'll 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 have weird lighting. It'll be edited later, and we'll just deep fake you on top of me, and it'll be perfect. Don't worry about it. That would. Uh, we're getting close. We're getting close. Yeah. Right now, we're in the weird deep fake stage of. 
ha 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 i put this very masculine man's face on a lady's body we're we're in that stage right now but eventually who knows what about this like would you ever buy like a virtual wrestling tape where it's like if wwe just started deep faking like owen hard versus eddie guerrero would you watch it Ooh, that's a great question they're, so, saying so, actors, they're saying actors are going to start they're going to start reusing actors in new movies they're going to start seeing uh well, well james dean again yeah 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 he's gonna so be start thinking like, is wrestling gonna do that why is he huh? gonna be in a vietnam movie that's the thing oh. bring him for why if, oh. of anything do it something of that era so you go oh yeah great um but yeah um 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 um, um peter yeah, cushing, so i was thinking in wrestling maybe <laughs> peter cushing was in rogue one even though yeah. he's dead forever um yeah you're right that would be so interesting to actually do so so in this hypothetical we're talking about we got two uh so so let's say we've got um oh geez who would be who would be like a decent who's a modern owen hart that we could throw in there oh i see yeah, yeah. just do uh, i mean eddie Guerrero versus aj styles like i don't know there's so many different like things we never saw but i was thinking i'm trying to think how are we going to do this and make money and get a cease and desist we get marcos oh, espada we, we get marcos espada to play eddie Guerrero. We got the money for this, though, man. We got money for all this, do we? <laughs> I, I don't know how 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 expensive is deepfake technology. I've seen the stuff that, like, you know, there's those YouTube videos where it's like, oh, here's what the Irishman looked like when they tried to make Robert De Niro look young, and then here's what I did with a free program that I downloaded, and it looks a thousand <laughs> times better. So I don't know. Maybe it's not that hard. Oh um, yeah. But I just don't know who we could have play pretend Owen Hart. Yeah, you know, definitely, definitely. Oh, that's well, uh, maybe. Yeah, Hunter might be able to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I've never looked at Hunter and thought of him as a nugget, but maybe I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to just think of who's who's at least really good. And oh, I you mean, want yeah, like a uh, good match? Yeah, Guerrero. that's true. That's true. Well, we got to have a good match because we got to do the match right. Oh, and then how how sad would that be it. if we got if it was like you and me, and like you're like you're Owen Hart and I'm Eddie Guerrero, and the match is a disaster. We're like, no, it's the same. It's basically the same oh, thing. It's basically the same thing. One man gang versus uh King Kong Bundy. I don't know. That's, that's, exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what it would yeah. be. That's hundred percent what it would be. <laughs> um now that would be really interesting. I don't know. I guess I guess I would. I'd be interested to see that. Because you know what? Um Dark Side of the Ring is coming pretty close. Like when they do the like um mm-hmm. the interludes when they'll be like, yeah. Oh, and then New Jack took a shit and stabbed somebody, and they'll have somebody dressed as New Jack like yeah acting it out for a second like they're getting yeah, pretty close yeah, what was it tyson dukes was a uh, chris benoit yeah so like we're and by the way we got our obligatory chris benoit reference in this so uh we're very edgy we're very edgy Amen. podcast and we talk about owen hart so there we go that's we are the edgiest podcast that's ever been um Sweet. no i'd be interested i really genuinely would it's bad it's morally bankrupt it's not a good call and it besmirches the the lineage of of the wrestlers involved but yeah sign me up i'd be interested to see it <laughs> I think the WWE is going to do it once they can figure out the technology and then they're oh, going to sell a DVD or two. Absolutely. New special. The match are, you kidding? are you kidding me? Their first, if they could get Deepfake figured out, their first action, like number one on the bullet on the bulletin board, is Deepfake of Owen Hart being like, I forgive you. It's okay. And they're like, there it is. We got it. We got it, ladies and gentlemen. It's all good in the hood. That would what? absolutely be their first. Why, why like, does Owen sound like that? It's okay. That's to- If I happen to die, it's no big deal. Enough is enough, and it's time for a change. Like, oh, see, that was his catchphrase. That's him. That's him. That's their number one priority. Then number two would be, all right, let's do matches that didn't happen. <laughs>
<laughs> Deep fake right. technology used strictly for get out of jail free cards. That's exactly what the just number one writing. priority would be. See? <laughs> Uh, when when is you starting into the business? You touched upon it a little bit before. What's the what's the first step here? Is is it announcing? Is it you doing the merch? What's, yeah, merch, what's the first step? Merch was definitely the first. Um, when we were frequenting the indie shows, uh, we noticed that a lot of really really talented wrestlers either had no merch, or they this was in the infancy of pro wrestling tees, but they were like. Yeah, just go on ProWrestlingTees.com and you can buy my shirt. And I'm like, dude, I will have already talked myself out of spending the money by the time I get home. Like, there's no – I need to make this bad decision right now. I can't wait because if I wait, I'm not doing it. Um, I've been on the other end, too, where I'm like, yeah, man, totally. I love you. And then you get home and you're like, I don't know, like 25 bucks of shit, man. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. You talk yourself out of it. Yeah. Um, anything – that's the thing, whether it be merch or uh, good feedback or anything on this earth, if you make it even the slightest bit complicated or difficult to do, you have drastically reduced people's willingness to do it. So with merch, you got to have it like two thirds of the way into their hand and then be like, is money? And then, oh, hey, <laughs> you can't be like, well, go over here, turn around three times the secret password is this, then go online and maybe you can buy it there. That's never, it's now obviously in a pandemic, you can't be in front of people. So my free tidbit is if you do have an online shop, whether it be pro wrestling tees or fully gimmicked or what a maneuver or any other, you know, company out there, you need to be promoting it regularly because you don't have the opportunity to be in, in front of people. So instead you got to make yourself interesting and be in front of people, be in their face to make them go, Oh yeah, I do love that guy. I'm definitely going to buy his merch because now you're doing an uphill battle. It's a lot easier when you're in front of somebody and just, did you see, I did the flip and that a great flip Buy this t-shirt when you don't have the number, when you don't have part a part B is tougher. So you got to make yourself interesting online. Um, but yeah, we got started with merch. Um, I had a little bit of experience in, um, in dabbling in some kind of uh, like shirt printing and, and stuff like that from high school. And uh, my wife, Luna has always been uh, artistically inclined. She was actually, uh, she got her feet wet doing uh, photography um, and wrestling. She was doing ringside photography. She did a couple of promos. She was the first person to take a picture of Timothy Thatcher as the evolved champion. Um, so that was her kind of way in and my way in was, was more through the merchandise. And so we started experimenting, started making merchandise for some people, um, and that started to grow and grow and grow. And then, as I said, more just kind of hanging around. And, uh, and you know, there's certain advantages to working in merch, i.e., well, hey, we got this box. We got a deliver full of T-shirts. I guess they're going to let us in early. And so, ta-da, you start rubbing elbows and start talking with people. And, um making friends and when uh, Wayne Van Dyke was a was a, a name that you know we got along with very very well and he was a good dude and uh so once we kind of were in with certain people then oh yo you should meet the oh you should do merch with them too and blah 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 and then eventually like I said uh just kind of hanging around and being getting comfortable and once I'm comfortable being obnoxious then it started becoming like oh hey you know Zach you're loud uh ever thought about doing ring announcing and I'm like I have no problem with that. Um, and I started doing that. Now, let me ask something for you. 
because you've you've dabbled you and i have dabbled in very similar um circles in terms of uh the jobs that we've done in wrestling um i how did when you when it was first asked of you to do any kind of ring announcing or any anything along those lines um how did you first view that like when they're like Jordan, we need we need you to announce this guy or this show or whatever. As soon as you're asked to get in the ring, you know how are you viewing that the first time? Um, I'm I'm just I'm excited. I'm I'm ready to go. I mean, I I started off kind of like you were you were saying. I found a way in, um, in any way I could. Uh, one of the companies, the first two companies I worked for, uh, I saw they didn't have their own YouTube channel. They didn't film their own stuff. So I was like, hey, I can film yourself and put even little match graphics and name plates and. It'll look at least better than what you have now, which is like nothing. Uh, maybe which is zero, will, yeah. Yeah, maybe a girlfriend will film a half a segment and then it'll look bad. This is before everyone had a cell phone. I had my own camera. So I got in that way. And then nice. uh, the other company would just simply, hey, man, need help setting up the ring? I know you do. <laughs> Send up the ring and putting the chairs up. And I'd always said, hey, I love, you know, not, not pressure, not pushing. I never pushed it too much, but I love to do more. I can speak. I do stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy weirdly helped it because I think uh, they knew I could speak. And they needed a ring announcer one day. And I remember the first time the guy said it, I was like, really? Okay. And then just go, go to the races, man. And then just show that you can do it. And then, you know, you've shown you're reliable. And then, you know, I've gone from, they don't even know my name to, you know, the one, the company's SFWA. I was the longest standing ring announcer they had <laughs> in the end of the company. Excellent. Excellent. And I felt very much the same way. I, I was, as soon as they were like, Hey, we could use a ring announcer. Would you mind? I was like, absolutely i'll do that are you kidding me um but there are some people and we're not going to name names here but there's some people who don't feel that way and feel that ring announcing is below them really and so and that they should be in front of the camera more and that anything less than that anything less than being considered in-ring talent is an insult and so as soon as I first started seeing that in particular companies or in passing, I told myself, I was like, mm, not going to be me. So there has been even as far along into wrestling as I have gotten, you know, through a series of luck and accidents and shrewd negotiating by other people. Um, I would still, if a company was like, hey, we just need you to come and ring announce. Don't worry about commentary. Don't worry about anything else. I would still be like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's a job that needs to be done, and I think I'm decent at it. So that's one of those cases where, and I guess a lesson that we can both sort of share is you don't look, those, you don't look down at those opportunities. And, and, and as I said, even when I had the opportunity of like, oh, would you want to be a manager for this guy? I talked with some people that I held in high regard and they advised me like, don't worry about that. You know, if, if it's needed, then great. You know, that opportunity will be there, but focus on being the best at what your job is and not get down in the muck and do a thousand different things, which I ended up having to do anyway. But that was one of those things where like, as soon as ring announcing came in, I was like, if this is it forever, if this is as far as I go and it's just, I'm the ring announcer guy. Great. This is amazing. If I told myself at 13 I was doing this, my 13-year-old head would explode. That's all that means to me. I'm good. Um, but then it evolves, as you can, as you can attest. Um, it, it, it evolved from there. And then next thing you know, 
uh, it's commentary and then commentary leads to hey what about this or what about could you make this into a character blah 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 and uh and then next thing you know i'm i'm, I'm owning my own company so Absolutely. dreams do come true Absolutely, man. No, I, I think I think you hit it on the head, man. That's why I'm also like what you said. Obviously, we know people like that, but like it's so surprising to me because it's just I was so excited to just do anything. I I would have been even probably contempt to a large degree just being around the thing and being the the green crew guy. One hundred, I a hundred percent agree. I the the goal was be able to show up early and not be asked to leave. That yeah. was the goal. Was don't don't have the people <laughs> running it or the wrestlers go right now sweet <laughs> right exactly don't have the talent go you gotta go yeah. as long as as long as i was at that level i'm like everything else is just bonus that's is that's the one i want and i got there so I was like, all right great yeah and then i'm a firm believer and you're another great proof of this of just paying dues and then doing those jobs because they lead to so much more you know what i mean i'm not a manager or, or a fake gm sorry i don't really run those places without you know the the, the ring announcing with and then without the stuff before it right so. Well, and, and, and you show that you put it perfectly, you show your value, you, yeah. you, and I, and I've, 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 uh, before the pandemic kind of shut everything down, I was, I was really getting in the rhythm. I was doing the Paul Heyman before show speeches. And I was, I really like that. Um, I like being the center of attention. Um, and so one of the things I, I would, I would tell some of the younger talent is I was like, look, the greatest thing you can ever do is make yourself invaluable because if you are great in the ring, if you're, telling stories to fans and making the fans come in, then you can be as much of an asshole as you want. They can't fire you because you're too valuable. That's the key is make yourself so valuable that they can't get rid of you. And so I think, you know, that's a cynical way to look at it, but it's a similar thought process to what you mentioned. You come in, you're setting up the ring and that's all you're doing is setting up the ring. Well, you're showing dependability. You're showing that you give a shit. All right. Well then something comes along. Hey, guy xyz couldn't make it can you fill in for him doing whatever sure absolutely great you fumble a little bit you figure it out you get your bearings okay i got it i can do this job too great wonderful now you're gonna do that you're double dependable oh hey another show comes along hey this guy he's kind of feeling eh. you think maybe he could mentor you and you could take his job okay sure because that you be there don't go well i'm not really interested in that I want to. I just came here to fold shirts. I'm not interested in anything else. Sorry. Like, no, you 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 make yourself available for those types of opportunities, and and they go a long way, and in, in making yourself valuable. Speaking um, of TED talk, we should be getting paid for this. We you and I are giving a real TED talk here. I, I think it's, it's a lesson we learn about anyone that's you know kind of like in our field of just you know because there's a there's a trajectory i've said this before uh it's definitely physically a lot harder to be a wrestler but there's a trajectory you go to a good school you know you, you train you get on the shows you move around you know i mean there's not really a trajectory for guys like us because it's like true you can't get into a school to be a, a commentator <laughs> that's not really a thing no you, 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 you kind of have like to find your way around and wiggle into it you yeah know? you kind of have to have the gift of gab a little bit and 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 just kind of improv skills like you said doing stand-up i'm sure gave you a huge it, advantage it, I, so. I think it helped they're like okay because you know I, I, maybe you've seen it too like i've had people before try to, oh i can ring an ounce and then you know they really can't like <laughs> you know what i mean so i'm sure when they see a 19 okay like i'd love to ring an ounce mr whatever they're like yeah sure kid and then they don't find out okay no he can actually physically he can he can do this probably more so than just anyone that thinks anyone can do it which is not true right and again it's not 
not looking at it as a stepping stone because I, th- I think we've both come across people who have viewed it as that of like, oh, I'm just going to do ring announcing for these two shows and then they're going to ask me to do something else. Maybe not. Maybe that's yeah. you're the ring announcer and then that's to, it. Uh, I was ready to ring announce during a uh, mania week. You know, I had a couple of things where I was a ring announcer. I was like, cool. Yeah. I'm a part of a mania great. week. Sweet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. Again, we should be paying. We should be getting paid for this. We're giving valuable <laughs> advice here of don't be a douchebag. <laughs> don't don't be a d-bag and that gets you a long way too that's the piece of advice i give to anyone like just don't be a dick don't burn bridges it's it usually gets you nowhere like burning a bridge will not get you somewhere unburning it you know not being a dick will get you somewhere true <laughs> true no one's ever been like ah we gotta hire this guy because he keeps making everybody real mad yeah. every time he works somewhere everybody you see has how we shit on one stuff. company man i need that guy he really knows how to shit on a company <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, so, Mr. Zach Romero, is that your real name? No, it is not. I knew it. <laughs> it's, it's not. Uh, there's a lot of people who believe it is. Um, I've actually talked to some wrestlers who I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to come from this and that, 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 and it'll be under this name. And they're like, what? I go, you're, you've been the amazing Strongo for 10 years. What are you, you're offended that I don't, I'm not using my real name. Um, no, actually, that came from uh before the wrestling days i was doing a lot of stupid uh youtube videos and uh i was using my real name at the time and i go into work one day and uh my boss is like oh hey i saw a video you did that was really funny and i had to put on my acting pants and i was just like oh you did that's oh that's interesting oh, i'm glad you enjoyed it but on the inside i was like no so uh, from that point on i uh I, I, I grabbed the name Romero. So that's not my God-given name. Another exclusive here for Kayfabe Corner. Uh, is Zach? Is Zach is, yes. Zach oh, okay. is, my, okay. is my true first name. I should have probably come up with something better, but uh, I, I, I feel like I look like a Zach, so <laughs> I couldn't change uh, it. Where, what's Romero? What's the inspiration of Romero? Oh, George Romero, 100%. Yeah. Um, I, was a, I was always a big horror guy. Um, I used to host a little uh, YouTube horror review show back in the day and, and all that nonsense. So it was always going to be Romero. Um, plus, I think Zach Romero has a nice ring to it. I always have. Um, I, I agree. Um, but yeah, so that's that again, you were, you were, you were an excellent interviewer. You're getting some real, uh, some hot tea out of, uh, out of my backstory here. <laughs> uh, what are some of your favorite matches you've seen or called? Oh Lord. Um, here's the thing. So I, uh, my commentary is a, uh, acquired taste let's say uh because i am very obnoxious i am very much a cartoon character um so calling some matches like for instance when i would do uh uh uh, i did a couple of uh i was fortunate enough to do a couple of shows with full impact pro and anytime there would be like a uh like oh hardest hits of fip for whatever the show was they would show these little clips and you would hear Trevin, who I was doing commentary with, telling these incredible stories. Like, he'd be like, oh, you know, one man's adversity here coming up and blah, blah, blah. Can he conquer it? Yeah, da, da, da. And all you would ever hear from me is just sounds. Like, he would be telling amazing stories, and I would just be like, ah, oh, ee. Like, that's all my input was. And I'm like, ah, I'm an idiot. I'm just a, I'm just a dumb animal. Um, that being said, I will obviously be biased. Uh, 
I've gotten to see just about every Punk Pro match that there's ever been. And uh, hey, what been... have seen? <laughs> uh, there was a show in Indiana that I was not a part of. Oh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> so I didn't see all of those matches. Um, heard about them, uh, but didn't actually see them. Um, let me see here. I can pull up some uh, some some deep cuts here. Um, <laughs> I think anybody who's ever seen a match with Saeed El Sabah should just consider themselves lucky. <laughs> uh, because he is immensely talented. That's not what um, getting to see Jamie oh, Senegal oh, versus getting to see Jamie Senegal versus Sue Young, and Sue Young winning with a giant foam hand. That was pretty kick ass. Um, getting to see Eddie Kingston and John Davis uh, for the first time ever was pretty incredible. Where, where was that? Uh, Punk Pro. Uh, that oh, was okay. at, nice. uh, that was a take this to your grave back in 2018. That sounds good. Um, getting this. Okay. I'll, so here story time. Um, <laughs> not that there hasn't been all, enough already. Uh, so there's actually two, two stories. Um, so one particular company that we won't mention, uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, you and I have both worked for, um, there was a show uh that that we were running and i was doing the ring announcing for it and the commentary and uh i was running behind the scenes i was trying to, there were some new people that were going to be on the show some new people on the roster and so i was grabbing their information before the show uh they're announcing information because magically i'm, I'm going to reveal this little piece this little fun fact uh ring announcers we don't magically know everyone's information uh we have to go ask and it's very uncomfortable um and so we, which by the way, I've officially announced this. I'm striking fight weights from my announcing. I don't give a shit what company I'm working for. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not announcing anybody's weight because I always get grilled on it because I don't ask talent that I already have their info. I don't ask them multiple times. Like if it's like, if you're wrestling on a show and I've gotten your information once, I'm sticking with that information. I'm not asking you every time I see you like, hey, anything change? I'm not doing that. So I've run into several problems of I'm going off a card from six months ago and I'm saying weighing in at whatever, whatever. And then after the show, that talent comes up to me and goes, I haven't weighed that in blah, blah, blah months. I've put on 15 pounds of muscle. And then I go, okay. Or I screwed up one time and I announced somebody as like way heavier than they were and look like an idiot. And then I had to go back and change it to the magic of editing. So I've just decided no more weights. I don't give a shit anymore. You're just you from your hometown and hopefully you have an instrument. So anyway, so I'm getting this information from this young man um, who's making his debut. And um, he's like, oh, my name is, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, some of the kids I train with, like, call me broccoli. And I go, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, uh, I have, I got a lot of frizzy hair. And so, uh. Some of the kids call me broccoli, but you know, you can just call me, you can just announce him by regular name. And I was like, <laughs> call on your broccoli. And the look on this poor kid's face, he was terrified. He's like, well, well, you know, you don't, you don't have to. I go, look, it's a Wednesday. We're in the middle of nowhere. We'll let's try broccoli. See if it sticks. If it doesn't next week, I'll call you whatever the hell you want to be called. And we'll pretend like it didn't happen, and it won't. As far as everyone's concerned, it'll, it, it never happened. 
okay. So this kid's match comes up, and I announce him like the goddamn ghost of Andre the Giant was coming out. Like, I pumped it up so big. And I was like, ladies and gentlemen, broccoli! And that crowd went bananas. And I was so proud of that moment. And he lit up like, like it was Christmas. Like, he was like, yeah, oh, yeah! And, uh... It helped. Also, kid was immensely talented, so that helped. That's that. It, it would have sucked if it was like, "Hey, great moment!" Oh, he shit the bed. <laughs> no, he was great in the ring anyway, so that just, that just helped. But that gave him the confidence to be a character and kind of start running with that. So, um, so that was a, an excellent moment. I, that was a good feel good moment. But huge match uh, for me. One of my all time favorites was uh, when Dick Danger fought. Uh, 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 the the technical alchemist uh, David Mercury at Punk Pro. Uh, that was uh, Dick Danger's debut at Punk Pro. He the the place was packed full of people that were all Dick Danger friends and family. So when they had that match, you would have thought it was fucking WrestleMania. Like that crowd blew up, um, and it was a great match. I mean, David Mercury was Dick Danger's teacher, so it was like, oh, spoiler alert! The match was fantastic. It was great. Uh, and also, David Mercury could wrestle a pile of dirty laundry, and you'd be like, five star. That was the best match I've ever seen in my life. Um, but it was it was incredible. It was an incredible moment. And I uh, another fun fact: uh, I've known Dick Danger for a long, long time. And so, prior to him wrestling, prior to him training, I knew him previously. Um, and if I ever uh, wind up dead under mysterious circumstances immediately investigate mrs danger because i may be the reason why dick danger got into wrestling and so <laughs> she may blame me to this very day um but anyways so uh getting to work with dick danger and, and seeing him get started in wrestling and then having that kind of cul culminate at debuting at punk pro going against his teacher and having just a great match and having an entire crowd full of people that were there for him uh, was an incredible feeling, and that's that absolutely sticks out in my mind. And of course, anything I've ever gotten to see with John Davis that's number two. So, uh, so yeah, that's the very, very short list of, of matches that holy shit have stuck out. And I'm, I'm forgetting a thousand other ones that I'm sure I'm gonna get angry <laughs> messages about. Um, but that's that's a little story time. Um, uh, besides uh, Punk Pro, any other companies that you really enjoyed your time at? Um, I did a little bit with IPW, which was interesting. Liked working with Ron Nemi a lot. He's a very, very interesting guy, very knowledgeable, um, and so easygoing in terms of like, because he's he's kind of been a, he's done it all and seen it all. So like the 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 like <gasps> is kind of like over. He's just like, oh yeah, yeah, this will work. This will be great. Um, I worked a, a the Hardy County Fair. I did announcing for an IPW show. Uh, it was like a lucha show, and I got to announce uh, Ultimo Dragon was coming out, and a little a little poop came out when I did that because holy shit, it was Ultimo Dragon. Um, IPW was was it very interesting uh, to work with uh, GCW here in the South? I got to work with them. I actually uh, the old adage of wrestlers of always bring your gear. I had to live that myself. Uh, GCW had done a, a a show at a food truck rally. And their ring announcer uh, couldn't make it. And so I was there just kind of helping out and, and uh, 
just sort of, you know, kind of just there to support. And they were like, Hey, do you have your stuff to like do announcing? And I was like, I could certainly get it. And so I happened to have a button up in the, in the, uh, in the car, I had my suit jacket and I was like, well, there we go. And so I ended up doing the, uh, the ring announcing there. Um, got to work with brawl USA. Actually, you know what? Hold on a second. I, I'm a big enough asshole and I hope that you have this too. I actually have a list of all the companies that I've worked for. Uh, and it's, I have a master list of not only the companies, but the match results. Holy shit. Yeah. I haven't done that. I'm not that I much. Have a number. I'm at 300 something, but that's just for attending. And then uh, I have everything else broken down to. Let's see. Oh yeah. Kaiju big battle. How could I forget? Um, Kaiju big battle. Also did Queens of Combat up north, and I screwed up the ending of the main event. That was pretty fun. Mm. Uh, having to be like, "Hi, please, I, I would like to come back," and they were like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's necessary." Um, did I do, oh, I did do Shine in Chicago. Um, the, doing the Shine shows were great in Chicago because um, if I'm not normal, if I'm not normal, I'm never normal. If I'm not um, the regularly scheduled announcer, I don't come in at like a hundred percent me. I come in very like trying to be polished and professional and just like, Hey, I'm going to be, you know, Howard Finkel here. I'm just going to come and just boom, boom, boom down the, down the line. I'm not going to throw too much, too much special sauce on it. I'm just going to deliver and get out. Uh, you know, punk pro, I it's, it's, you know, I've been there since the beginning, so I can be a little more myself and more goofy and kind of chit chat with the crowd a little bit. Um, but if it's something like shine or, you know, I, this is my first time here. I'm not going to be like, I basically own the place. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. So I did two shine shows back to back. Um, uh, I believe it was Michigan and Chicago. And so in Michigan, I am straight laced. I am completely straight laced um, until like the the last. I think it was the main event. Uh, we were in Michigan, and Allison K was wrestling, and she's from Michigan. And so when she came out, I put <laughs> I put a lot of stank on it. And the crowd loved it. They were like, yeah, it's our girl. And she told me afterwards, she goes, I've wrestled here probably a hundred times. I've never gotten cheered in my hometown. And I was like, I like to think I was a little baby part of that. Um, but after that, then, uh-oh, the lesson gets taught to my dumb ape brain. of like, oh, I can be, I can put a little sizzle on a steak and maybe it's okay. And so um, when I called, uh, when I got to announce Double D Rose, uh for shine who's an amazing talent um but her entrance is she's the one-eyed thick-thighed weapon of ass destruction night one i tried to say that as straight laced as i could night two i got the spirit took over and i got real i got real big with it and the crowd went bananas and so i was like okay oh, there's no more rules i get to do what can i want we, can we get a little taste of it zach oh gee okay oh i can hold the mic back um oh i don't ah, you put me on the spot i gotta i want to find what the rest of her announcing thing is because I, I don't know what her hometown is but anyway it was like the one-eyed thick-thighed weapon of ass destruction double rose and the crowd went fucking bananas um because how does it not when you get to say weapon of ass destruction how do you not go bananas for that anywho kaiju big battle holy shit um kaiju big battle giant monsters fighting in a ring 
and I have to do live commentary into a live mic so that the crowd can hear me because I have to help tell the story because they're giant monsters and they can't really emote that great. So uh, very interesting, very nerve-wracking. Um, and I got to call him with, with uh, Billy McGurk, uh, was the co- co-anchor uh, for commentary for, for several of the shows. Billy brought me in uh, as, a, as a special favorite of Trevin Adams. And um, so those were interesting. And then uh, a couple years ago in Tampa, for a uh, a big um, convention, uh, there was a kaiju show, and Billy couldn't make it, and I had to call it on my own, in front of no joke, probably six hundred people. I had to call a kaiju show by myself, and uh, I survived it. I did the whole damn thing uh, and didn't cause a, a riot or or uh, you know nothing got torn up. Um, the only time. It was shaky was right before the show started. Like everything's prepped and ready to go. Okay, we're ready to go. And I'm standing behind the curtain and they're playing this little 90 second vignette explaining like what's Kaiju Big Battle. And the vignette ends and the music's playing and the crowd's chanting Kaiju and it's just me. I have to announce myself. I have to introduce myself. And then I'm walking out in front of 600 people and it's go time. And as soon as the vignette ends and the music's playing and the crowd is chanting Kaiju, I start tearing up and I start, I feel a lump in the back of my throat and I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then I blew through the curtain and I was like, Hey, and yeah, they don't know who I am. That doesn't matter. And, uh, right. And then by the end of it that, you know, I got to take pictures with somebody dressed as Godzilla and, uh, and Dizzy was there to support me in the crowd. She's one of the best fans ever. And so, um, that was a very big, scary moment. Um, that is one of the prouder moments of my career is, is one man doing the Joey Styles commentary for Kaiju Big Battle, which is like, uh, it would be like if you were doing commentary for uh, an episode of the Power Rangers, but it's all in <laughs> Japanese and you don't speak Japanese and you just have to make sense of what you're seeing. Like, ah, yeah, I'm the Green Ranger and here's a Megazord, uh, you know, that that kind of thing so yeah that's those were highlights i would say in in the career would would be those very nice very nice uh let's go back now let's talk about punk pro man okay when was it always something that kind of was in the back of your mind to start your own thing what makes you finally make those steps the early days of punk pro let's talk about it um well something that i think you'll you'll be able to identify with is sometimes it's just opportunity so in like 2016, 2017, I gotta check my notes again. Um, back in the olden days, uh, this is gonna sound so weird because of like how WrestleMania was supposed to be this year. So back in 2017, March of March 29th of 2017, uh, WWE was in town. They were having WrestleMania um, in Orlando, and so. Everybody and their mother came down for Indie Week, basically. And so it kind of came to a head of like, hey, what we have enough friends here. We could put on a show. And so we did in, in, a, in a shady storage unit that we will not go into further detail on. 
Uh, Another place. <laughs> yeah, with uh, with you know all kinds of talents that are like way above, like Martin Stone and like Dominic Garini, like guys that were like, like there is Garini, yeah. you have no business being at this like what was our first show? We're doing it. Um, let let me run down. I'm gonna run down the match card of the very first Punk Pro show. Um, the Jim Nasty Boys versus Ace Perry and Slade Porter. Uh, Mance Warner. And Dale mm. Patrick versus the Amazing Graysons. Darius Carter versus Jimmy Lloyd. Uh, Drennan versus John Cruz, whatever happened to that guy. Uh, <laughs> Matt Nix versus Chris Crunk. Uh, Rhett Giddens versus Dr. Daniel Rockingham versus uh, C.T. Brown versus Chris Castro versus Malachi Matthews versus Jaden Newman versus Owen Knight. We were very big into scrambles on day one. Uh, Ugly Duckling versus Tech. Dominic Garini versus Kurt Stallion. Uh, Ethan Case versus Martin Stone. There, there's just uh, ridiculous. We look back now and it's like, how the hell we have all those talented people on one show to start off? Um, and no, no air conditioning. Um, so that worked, and that's kind of been the um, that's kind of been the feeling of every punk pro show. Is it's like, all right, we're really going on a limb here. Let's see, is this going to work? Are people going to like this? Are people going to shit on this? we're going to get weird with it. Is this, is this going to going to function at all? And every time it does. And so we're like, all right, it's another victory. And um, we, this is going to sound very, very hokey. So I've asked a lot. I'm, I'm a very uh, insecure individual. So I've asked a lot of our talents, like does punk pro suck or is like, you have a good time. And they're like, that atmosphere is crazy because there's a weird one-upsmanship for every show. Like, it doesn't matter if it's the opening match or the main event. Every single match is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, we're going to outdo that one. And every show, we're like, there's no way. And it still works. Um, but we've, we've had our share of controversies. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Punk Pro Wrestling is the company that had Izzy the 12 year old WWE super fan get in the ring and fight Effie. Uh, we are that company. And uh, despite some people uh, shaming us for it or thinking that we should be shut down for it, we still hold that with pride that, uh, and technically Leva Bates is involved too. She was teaming with, with Izzy. So it was a, uh, it was a handicap uh, situation, but, um, but no, still proud of that. Um, but no, basically, so yeah, we just did it on our own. But basically, the, 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 the core philosophy of punk pro wrestling is 50% just the best wrestling we can find. We want to put the best wrestlers in Florida, out of Florida. You know, we've had plenty of cars come from out of state. Um, we want the best wrestling we can, we can put together. That's 50% of the company. The other 50% of the company is the craziest shit we can come up with. And so there's been time travel in our company. There's been um, a, a 12-year-old girl wrestling in our company. Um, there's been superheroes and witchcraft and uh, scrambles revolving around a piece of radical rock and gold medals. So, yeah, 50% really great wrestling, 50% real weird shit. That's been uh, the ethos of 
of Punk Pro since day one. And is that not on a t-shirt somewhere? <laughs> it really should be. Well, it, technically, there's a shirt that says Punk Pro Wrestling. The rules are different here, which I think that kind of sums it up nicely. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's basically the magic recipe of Punk Pro is, is, is the 50-50 rule. And the fact that John Davis, who is genuinely the scariest man I've ever met in wrestling, that's no joke, um, has told us on several occasions that he is not into silliness or craziness in professional wrestling, but he's like, it works here. He's like, I'm proud to be on the same show as time travel and, you know, superheroes and stuff. He's like, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that. And I was like, that's the biggest seal of approval that anybody could ever get was that John Davis didn't go. I hate this. Like that's, that's the biggest trophy I could ever get. Move the, uh, the uh, countryside high school theater thespian award, move that off the shelf. John Davis, not hating being part of punk pro. That's number one trophy on the, on the case on the mantle. <laughs> uh, talk to me a little bit about the uh, the secret shows that we've been seeing up on YouTube. Yes, I've been checking them out. Uh, is there is there more to come? What was it like doing those? Did you enjoy doing those? That was a very interesting experience. So we filmed eleven episodes of a secret show uh, in an undisclosed location. Yeah, I couldn't and... tell where that building was at all. <laughs> in the first six, you could you almost couldn't, and then the second six, you're like, oh, okay, that's where we are. Um, which that won't happen again. Um, yeah, okay. That's why I was wondering if there was more to come. There are. There are. There will be. We, we're, we're going mobile. And obviously, you know, once Florida stops setting records for COVID cases, uh, there will be a second season of the, of the Punk Pro Secret Show. I can guarantee you that. Um, but we filmed all 11 episodes over the course of two days. And uh, it was absolutely bananas. And seeing incredible talents wrestle multiple times in a day is it was just like this is insane um but i think it worked i think the experiment worked um in fact uh it worked so well that i was like man if we could actually figure out like sponsorships to help offset some of the cost i will just do these forever because the ability to tell the kind of stories that we want to tell and and, and showcase the talents we want to showcase it's 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 been an experiment that we've enjoyed a great deal. Um, so, yeah, the Punk Pro Secret Shows are on YouTube. If you YouTube Punk Pro Wrestling, you'll, they'll pop up. Um, but multiple title defenses from John Davis, which are incredible. His match against uh, Ron Bass Jr. is bananas. Ron Bass Jr. is still a rookie, and they go, like, hostile, and it's mind-blowing. Um, him and Hunter Law, John Davis and Hunter Law is incredible. Uh, Captain Nova gets a huge win and is like the ultimate space underdog story. Um, we have our first ever all women's get your shit in scramble. So get your shit in scramble. Um, a lot of independent wrestling shows have scramble matches. I, t I read off the first scramble match of the first uh, show that punk forever did. Scrambles are very plentiful in, in independent wrestling. However, uh, the get your shit in scrambles are a little bit of a different breed. Um, and they are for uh, accolations, and in the current era, they are for a gold medal and a piece of the radical punk rock that they get to uh, proudly display. Uh, it doesn't need to be defended. It's only, it's only awarded. It's like the Stanley Cup. Um, but we want to be different. We want things to make sense in, in its own weird way. And so, yeah, I've really been proud of uh, the secret shows. There were some talents I wish we could have gotten, um, but just obviously, again, the world is on fire. So it's kind of difficult to, uh, to make travel arrangements possible. But um, 
I absolutely guarantee you there will be a second season of the secret shows. Uh, they're too weird and too wonderful not to continue. So that, that will be, that will be happening in the future. And, uh, and we'll figure out a new undisclosed location and, and new rings. So uh, not to give away any maybe future possible bookings here, but uh, any dream matches that, that haven't, you haven't seen yet that you haven't been able to put on yet where like, oh, man, those two or four or whatever would kill it? So there's a couple of things on my wish list. Uh, Gabe Zilla and John Davis were supposed to wrestle two years ago, and, uh, and John ha- uh, couldn't make it to the show, and we ended up getting Cole Radrick versus uh, Gabe Zilla, which is another one of my absolute favorite matches of all time. And uh, so I still, that's still unchecked. I want Gabe Zilla and I want John Davis. Um, I want Levi Everett to wrestle for the internet championship against Hunter Law because I think it's hysterical that Levi Everett fight for a title that he doesn't understand because he's Amish. Um, I want tag team championships in Punk Pro. So I want every good goddamn tag team going today in punk pro fighting for a tag title because the tag team of gnarly adventure of uh, Andrew and Carlos is one of the best tag teams going. And I'm pissed off that more people aren't aware of that yet. So I want the greatest stage for tag team that we can possibly put together and have them be a part of that. Um, So there are some things, there are some things that I, that I certainly want and mostly just as a fan, I wish I could be like, no, the boss, they really, I just, I just want to sit and watch those. Those, those will sound great. Um, yeah, those are. What about you? Is there anything from Punk Pro that you want from Punk Pro? I'll take, I'll take a feedback card right now. <laughs> I'm putting me on the spot. There's my shot. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like I said, I really do enjoy some of the unique matchups. I mean, I saw the John Davis and Ron uh, Bass uh, Jr. match. And uh, yeah, like that's a match I wouldn't necessarily, you know, even think of because, like, you know, like you said, they're at such different stages of their careers, but it was really cool. So I love stuff like that. Um, yeah, you guys do some intergender stuff. You got some great tag teams. I like what you've done with uh, Andrew and Carlos because you see a different side of them than what I think other promotions were doing. You know, you know, even us, like we just put them as their normal selves, and you guys have found a different niche. Like, yeah, that that that, right? that also drives me nuts because I want them to wrestle as gnarly adventure everywhere, and they haven't yet. Um, I don't go wrong. It's uh, on a uh, uh, a billboard level, a sales level. It's great that we've got the like exclusive rights to gnarly adventure right now, but I don't give a shit. I want every wrestling company to see how great they are um, in this, in this particular form. And, um, and if they can still be a trios with Carlos, Andrew and uh, Carlos's flannel shirt, then all the better. Um, but yes, I, I appreciate your support and your viewing and, and, and uh, spreading the word about punk pro uh, for better or for worse. We're still, we're still underground. We're, we're trying to, we're trying to break out. We're trying to sell out so bad. We want to sell out <laughs> so bad and just haven't had the opportunity yet. Um, well, speaking of support, let's talk also to uh, fully gimmick. Oh, your, there you go. Jerry J shirt here. OG. And yeah, I don't know. Is this still available? <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Probably. I would assume probably. And I have several. I have a, I have a Nova, a Hunter Law, a Troy Hollywood. Uh, I have several of your stuff here. So do you, come, do you do you come? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, do you come to the guys? Do they come to you? Guys and girls, or uh, how does the relationship usually kind of happen? Who who does the first the first makes the first move? Um, yeah. My wife can attest that I'm terrible at taking hints for that. So usually, no, no, no. It's 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 usually a combination of things. Sometimes 
will approach talent and go like, hey, you, you really should have some merch because you're very talented. You're not making any extra money and you should. Um, but other times we've, we've been approached by talents that are like, hey, I have an idea for a shirt. Can we do this? And we go, yeah, sure. That sounds fine. Um, it, we've, we're still doing a lot of the creation of it from in-house. Like literally in the next room over is where we like make the shirts and things like that and other merchandise and prayer candles and all kinds of other weird I, stuff. I want a uh, nice little tour video on your YouTube sometime. I, I want to see this. <laughs> we've, we've really considered it. We've really considered it. Um, I, we'll figure it out. We'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll spruce the place up a little and then we'll, we'll give a tour <laughs> of, of how it happens. But um, no, it, it, it varies. Um, and we, we try to make everything makes sense for both sides. Like we want talent to make money. Uh, I wish, I wish we weren't, I wish we were assholes and we were like, we make all the money and I don't have to work a regular job. No. Um, we want, we want the talent to make money off their merch because that's ultimately what keeps a lot of wrestlers afloat. Like booking, just getting bookings doesn't always, unless you're like at the top tier part of the roster and even then sometimes not like you're really going to make most of your money doing merch and so we've always wanted to kind of help with that and so um you know we we try we try our best um there's some talents that for whatever reason it just didn't work out and that's a bummer but eh. um what happens there is it just simply like coming to an agreement on money or disagreeing on what the merch might look like why why would something almost happen and then not um so that's a that's a tough question to answer um <laughs> i I'm think just, it's, i'm just interested because that, that's one thing i don't have you know i've never done really much of that so i'm just kind of interested in like so it sometimes it's just like just regular relationships where like you know sometimes the communication just kind of falls off because everyone's got their head up their own ass or, or they're busy with their own stuff and so then you go like, oh, right, shit, we were supposed to do something. Damn it. Uh, whoops. Now they've gone to another shirt place. Or sometimes, you know, there's a oh, – I, I wasn't expecting to get this deep into the, into the paint here. Um, there's an element of necessity in terms of like – so once a talent figures out that like merch is key, it can sometimes be difficult to relay the certain importance of things. So perfect example, there's an artist that we work with named Buckshot. You know Buckshot very well. He's uh, he's crossed paths with you in, 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 in ring stuff before. Buckshot is a tattoo artist. He's immensely talented. We have used him on several occasions uh, to... Uh, create some designs and things like that for shirts and, and for other things that we've worked on uh, for people. And, and as such, he's also worked on just freelance stuff for, for wrestlers. And there's been a few occasions when he'll show a talent like, Oh, Hey, here's this. And it's almost done. And they go, Oh, cool. And then they just ghost him. And then next thing you know, a week later, he'll see it on pro wrestling tees, his half finished design is suddenly posted and he's standing there going like, Hey, I didn't get paid for this. So sometimes there's an element of that, of like the talent themselves goes like, Oh, I got it. And maybe they don't think like, well, there's a bigger web here of like money should exchange hands and da 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 da. They just go, I got it. And then that's it. And then we never hear from them again. Or some just fall off. Some go like, I decided not to be a wrestler anymore. Um, 
<laughs> and sometimes it's us. Sometimes, like I said, we get bogged down with something. I'm the host of th- two, three, three podcasts. I don't know how many. <laughs> several podcasts. I'll say that. I'm a host of several podcasts. Um, I've always got projects going on. So sometimes it's on me. Like, it's like, oh, we were going to do a thing and I forgot because I had this thing and I'm so sorry. And, you know, sometimes those things don't work out. And sometimes people get mad. We've gotten stuck with the bill before. We've, uh, we shipped uh, to somebody who wasn't expecting it. And they were like, oh, I don't have room in my gear bag. Like, there's, you know, it's growing pains. We've been around for going on, I think, four years, five years now as a, as a merchandise brand. And, and we're still ground up we're still you know the, the bare roots of it so it's 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 complicated unfortunately but more way more good than bad in terms of like we've really helped to drive people to be characters we've helped put money in the pockets of people who deserve to get paid more money um we've gotten real sacrilegious we made an effie prayer candle that sold a bunch and we're definitely going to hell um I don't know it's been it's been weird and wonderful and 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 I've enjoyed it immensely and it's interesting to kind of like keep stretching your brain of like all right we got to make something else here we can't just keep doing the same thing um and yeah I don't know it's it's a it's a very weird venture that again if I could tell myself at 13 that I was doing would have blown <laughs> my mind so well as, as of your own self let's talk about your future self where do you see yourself in oh five years <sighs> Um, great question. That's a that's a really tough question now because I don't know if you know this or not, oh, but the what? goddamn world's on yeah. fire right now. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that means. If you had asked me a year ago, I would be like, "Oh, Punk Bros, household name and fully gimmicked. I don't have to work a regular job anymore." I don't know now. It's like I wrestling may not be a thing in five years, and I'm like, ah, that was a weird ride. Uh, uh, um, I don't know. I don't know where where I'll be in five years. I hope I'm still involved in wrestling in some way. Well, kinda... what would you have said back in February? <laughs> well, good question. Okay, in February, I would have been like, well, Punk Pro is a household name, and uh, you know, everybody loves us and uh we're touring and it's great and fully gimmicked is is now so huge that like pro wrestling tees like pees on themselves because fully gimmicked <laughs> so great and uh there's like a a, a a zach romero jr running around or whatever the girl equivalent of a junior running around uh and i've got like three cats and i've got a smoking hot bod and uh i can speak like three languages and um just i I get high fives everywhere i go like that's that's me in five years as of february five years as of now i hope i'm still alive uh you definitely don't want those high fives no more (laughs) don't high fives flat out full stop that's not happening um maybe i go to a theme park again maybe you still get those cats that's doable True. I mean, yeah, uh, the two I have now are kind of dicks. Uh, one of them, one of them has been screwing up my lighting rig here for my interview with you. Uh, so I don't know. Um, I hope I'm still alive in five years. That's <laughs> that sounds horrible. Oh my god, that sounded so bad. I'm gonna be put on suicide watch now. That was such a bad answer. And not that you want to kill yourself, we just can't guarantee we're, we're all That's being true. Alive. Thank you. That's the disclaimer. <laughs> I'm not threatening that. I'm saying, yeah. I, have you seen the world? That's all I'm saying. 
Oh man, what a what I guess even this question is hard to ask now. Uh <laughs> in February, if someone uh-huh. had asked you yes, yes. about getting into the business, both either as a wrestler or more on like our line of work, uh what advice do you give people starting up in pro wrestling in February? <laughs> it's excellent excellent question way back when. Um <laughs> my greatest advice would be uh to immediately upon deciding that you're going to be involved in wrestling, whether it be as a wrestler, as a referee, whatever, figure out a character. That doesn't mean you have to be a cartoon character, but figure out a, a character of some kind because the greatest disservice that you can do yourself is go through all the hard work of training and wrestling school and the whole nine yards and you have zero character. Because uh, unfortunately, it's not the 60s and 70s anymore. So, like, a promoter is typically not going to give you a gimmick. You know, when you get started at, like, XYZ Wrestling Company, the promoter's not going to be like, kid, you got a great look, so you're going to be Leonidas, and da-da-da-da, and you come out wearing this, and you do this. Like, that's just not going to happen. It's going to be like, what's your character? And you'll go, um, I, I have my name on my butt of my tights. And uh, I assume Vince McMahon will be calling me, surely. Don't do that. Have some kind of character, something that people can gravitate towards, something that'll help to tell your stories, something that'll help sell merch so you can have a little money in your pocket. Come to the table with a character. Uh, when Dick Danger was going through, through his school, we were talking about character stuff from day one. So that even influenced his training, that he was like, okay, Everyone in my class is learning this and I'm learning this, but also I need to figure out this because that's going to make sense. I'll even admit when I first saw Dick Danger on like, I think the pre-show at Tampa Bay, I thought he was somebody from another company because he, he was the only one with like a full character. He was I was ready to go. Because I was like, oh, yeah, this dude's obviously like got a, he's got the helmet, he's got the gear. Like he must be from, you know, another company. Whatever. Yeah. Because he, he was so much more formed as a person there as a character than a lot of the other people. So. Right. And that made a huge difference because like, you immediately like you have to look at it from the point of view of a promoter the promoter picked out however many people that he wanted on the show he was like are these five guys or my guys but you need other people to fill in those missing spots so there comes a time where it's like okay promoter you got five mystery talents that you didn't pick yourself that they need to fill the voids here which one of these guys do you want to pick and if it's create a wrestler one two three four and then pocket-sized evil Knievel you go well I don't know if he's good but at least he's got a look so having a character already figured out or something along those lines is only going to benefit you um and even if it's not like you're a big thing even if you're like well I'm not really a big theatrical person I'm not like going to be like a larger than life character I'm going to let my in-ring stuff do the talking that's totally fine still have a character have something that that can be the window dressing to what you're doing in your ring because you can't put a really good snap mare on a t-shirt like you got to have something <laughs> else to kind of form with it to make people you know want to support you or want to listen to what's going on or go oh i want this guy to win or oh i want this guy to lose like or gal or whatever the case may be so come up with some form of a character when you're first starting out and that's going to pay off in dividends even if you don't keep it that's the other thing too you know um i'm, I'm gonna blow up his spot i don't give a shit he's not on the show um the precursor to dick danger 
was we were going to uh we were talking about him doing like a little mac from punch out gimmick that he was going to be like an undersized fighter uh and his name was johnny punch so much that was going to be his name and we had come up with this whole like punch so much legacy and, and lineage and like his grandma was a fighter and all this other stuff we had this whole thing figured out of like he's going to come out with the robe and the boxing gloves and da 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 we had this whole thing figured out and then we just decided halfway through like eh we're going to try this instead. And then Dick Danger came a thing. We started talking about that and blah, 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 blah. And then that began, like you said, as soon as his like practice pretend like, all right, here's your training wheels match. He already had a full thing going. Like, even if you don't keep, you don't, you're not married to a character, but have something coming into it just so you've got something to build off of. And then, like I said, halfway through, you might go, Hey, this sucks. And then you decide to throw it out and do something. Oh, that's fine. But have a character from, from, the starting block it's only going to benefit you it's going to help, help you stand out because you know after you see 12 matches it's he was one of the few people that like if he had been like quickly who made an impression like i remember that big danger dude because of the helmet and the and the name and the you know what i mean more so than just billy billerson who you know had oh, black yeah. trunks and john proof soundproof but <laughs> yeah exactly exactly like oh yeah john smith was fine i guess but yeah little baby pocket Evil Knievel, that was pretty great. Like <laughs> that, that helps you stand out. So that's our free, that's our TED talk. Again, you're getting this for free. You really should be thanking Jordan here for putting this together. Uh, the seminar does not come cheap normally, but we're cutting you all a deal here. Uh, Twofer. That's right. You get to hear <laughs> both of us talk of wax poetic about not saying no to opportunities of like, hey, go pick up that piece of wood and put it on the ring. Like, okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the first time I did it, even just the, oh, the touch a ring. Uh. <laughs> I had that same motion too until I had to help disassemble a ring and take it down two flights of stairs in Chicago. And I was like, hey, this Ooh. shit's for the birds. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't, I, haven't done, I haven't done stairs. I've done long, like you got to park here and then like, but yeah, I don't think I've done stairs. So who? yeah, stairs are terrible. Uh, my legs were on fire for the next three days afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my advice: is be a character. Uh, all right. Well, one of the last questions here. It's not one I ask always, but I want to ask you: seen any good movies lately? Oh, good question. Um, actually, here I'll do my little plug here. Hold on. Um, So I stumbled upon this on Amazon, but it's called uh, Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. It is outstanding. It is a very, very weird film. It's a parody of uh, the, the college slasher film genre. Um, it's called it's new, Dude Bro, though, isn't it? Isn't it a new yeah, film? Yeah, it was made in, I think, 2018, I think. They have a VHS copy of it? Yes, they do. That was a That's special wonderful. edition. And this one is actually signed by the, uh, the crew because I'm a oh, big okay. dork and I collect VHS. Um, but uh, it's called Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, but it's the only one. It's supposed to be like a sequel, but it's, it, yeah. it's literally the only one. Um, but it's hysterical. It's really well done. It, it um, captures a lot of the actual elements of like slasher films from that genre and does a very good job of parodying it. It's just so absurd and wonderful. Um, so I highly recommend it. Dude Bro Party Massacre 3 um, from 5 Second Films. Uh, very, very highly recommend. Um, I'm, just, I'm just mad. That guy, I always love that idea of doing a sequel without any previous movies. Like I did a short film called Loose Cannon Cop 5, just referencing the genius. first four. That genius. Exist. You know what I mean? Genius. <laughs> well, and, and allegedly, allegedly for Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, there was like five writers. And 
they all were in charge of writing different scenes, but none of them could communicate with each other. <laughs> so when they came together, they were like, oh boy, how do we make this work? And they do. It, it works out beautifully. Um, so nice. I've, been to check that. I've been meaning to check that out. That's one I haven't seen, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. Go check it out. It's very, very funny. <laughs> Uh, any any personal plugs there, man? Of course, we have to talk Holy about Pump Pro, Fully Gimmicked podcast. Yeah. I was uh, just going to say, uh, so obviously fullygimmicked.com for merchandise. We've got all kinds of fantastic wrestler merch. Um, we just dropped uh, uh, our first Kylan King uh, design. Um, there's been one for uh, Lexi Gomez for uh to to help her out she's been having uh she just recently um had some some family trouble and so we were basically putting some money together for her uh so yeah fullygimmick.com all kinds of merchandise there um as for podcasts holy hell uh i am part of the wrestling nerds radio network uh so you can find us on uh soundcloud and spotify and uh, all other podcasting platforms uh, I co-host the IndieCast with Chad Allen, which is a very weird, supposed to be wrestling show, mostly pop culture show. Um, and I also co-host a, a podcast called Frightful Failures, also on SoundCloud, which is a really bad movie, a really big bad movie podcast where we take um, an old movie and a newer movie, which might have some kind of connection. We watch them both and then we compare and contrast and, it's, uh, and we fix them and they're all very, very shitty. Uh, we did one. We did an episode that was uh, Street Fighter and uh, Mortal Kombat, and we had to discuss both of those. And yowchies, not good. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of people have nostalgia for them. Those movies have problems. Um, a little so bit, a little bit. So uh, yeah, uh, frightful failures on SoundCloud. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, uh, I'm boring. Don't worry about me. Follow. Punk Pro Wrestling and uh, and Fully Gimmicked on Twitter. They're much more interesting. And uh, oh, and yeah, go find Punk Pro Wrestling on YouTube. You can watch the Secret Show. You can watch Effie chokeslam an eleven-year-old girl in the ring, and everyone get real mad at us. You can watch that. That's all on the YouTube channel. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. I think that's that's it. Um, thank you, Jordan, for having me on the show. Uh, I don't do interviews terribly often, so this is an interesting experience, and I feel like I've said too much. And my no, 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 said no. watch after this, so that's alarming. And I also feel like I shit talked a lot of wrestlers that I didn't mean to. Um, <laughs> so I'm fired. But anyway, uh, uh, I'm not burning bridges. You burned so many bridges. I really did for starting it off like you know. Whatever gets hired from burning bridges, oopsie doodle, I burned them all. Um, but it was an absolute pleasure, and, I, and I, I'm thrilled to be in the uh, the mantle of, of Kayfabe Corner guests now during a very strange time. And, again, yeah. I think I speak for all of your guests when I say, in five years, I hope we're all still alive. I know. This started out as uh, live interviews at shows. I only got two of those, and then the rest have all been over Zoom. <laughs> hey, you take what you can get. You're, you're at least turning – you're spinning something into something. That's That's important. Absolutely, it's, man. It's those uh, those improv skills of yours again. Uh, it, more, dancing, more dancing, yeah. Even in doubt, dance. That's that seems to be your mind. Your, your some, motto here. Some meanie. Uh, so for, for Mr. Zach Romero, thank you so much, man. It's always been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, this is JBO Jordan Pierce Owens from KFib Corner. For subscribe, like you know, you know the usual shtick. And as always, keep it KFib. <laughs>